Welcome back, everyone, to episode three of Happier Days podcast. Um, just like to say, I want to say thank you to, again, our viewers for watching us, supporting us, reaching out. Um, we can't do it without you guys. Like I say, I say it, I feel like a, like a recording machine because <laughs> how much, how much I'm thanking you guys. Um, but I'm actually really, really excited about this episode in particular, uh, because we did have a couple viewers reach out to us with their concerns on ADHD. And, uh, like we said last episode, we don't really have like a lot of experience or I guess like not traumatic, but any real relevance talking about it. So we didn't feel like we had any business talking about it and trying to pretend like professionals. So we're actually, we actually brought on someone who is a really close friend of one of my close friends. And we've, uh, we've, we've grown, we, we actually met previously before this episode. And I was like, dude, I gotta get this dude on the episode. I gotta get this guy on the episode because I want people to hear what he has to say and I'm just gonna turn it over to him. Uh, everyone, this is Jan Almasy. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> what up? Are we gonna give him a chance to say hi to? Like, does everybody know you're here? Oh yeah. yeah. Riley is also here. Oh, right. what up, Riley? <laughs> yeah, not much. I always like give a shout out to everybody at the table. You know what I mean? Everybody knows who's sitting down. My bad. But, good my bad, Riley. I'm just happy you're here. I still love you. <laughs> you too, um, dog. So, yeah, like he said, my name's Jan. Uh, looks like Jan, pronounced like you're about to fall asleep. Um, and I That's grew right. up. Dude, I say that every time. Like, when I was a nurse, people get so, uh, like, annoyed with how many times <laughs> I would say that a day. And, like, every single patient I'd walk in, and be like, hey, nice to meet you. And I'd, like, write my name on the whiteboard. And be like, my name's Jan. Looks like Jan, pronounced like you're about to fall asleep. And then, like, he, <laughs> And then, like, we're friends for the rest of the shift. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. have to do that right off the bat. You got to, like, make friends with your patients in nursing. Otherwise, it's going to be, like, a massive pain in your the ass. The icebreakers are key. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I grew up um, about, like, 10 minutes um, from where uh, Joe and Costas grew up. So, yeah. like, over in East Canton. I uh, went to a little uh, high school called Canton South High School. Graduated with, like, 110 kids, something like that. Um, went to college. Um at Walsh University, graduated with a nursing degree and a minor in clinical psychology. Um, throughout my college career, I was in the uh, Air National Guard um, and spent the first four years of my career kind of working HR um, and kind of like a mixture of HR and logistics intelligence. Uh, and then transitioned the last two years of my career, I really spent hyper-focused um, as the technical sergeant in charge of um, kind of a recruit training program that we had on base uh, that was all about like getting people into the air force culture and teaching them their why and you know air force history and all of that kind of stuff so um over the course of the last like two years or so um i've transitioned out of the military Um, i'm actually only a nurse part-time now i do part-time psych nursing um, with child behavioral adolescent services um, and national youth advocacy program um, in downtown canton i'm especially working with like kids um, that are in the foster care system or kids that need medication um, or help with like psychological based diagnoses um, like DSM-5 type diagnoses especially um, a lot of the kids that we see are like severely ADHD or um, like resistive disorders. Um, What is DSM-5? DSM-5 is like the diagnostic manual for psychology. So Mm -hmm. uh, you look at that and that's how you can, um, like an interview criteria, they give you a whole bunch of frameworks to figure out, you know, how to diagnose um, psychological, um, I don't want to say illnesses, but like ailments, Mm -hmm. conditions is probably the better word, psychological conditions. And why did you get into what you do? Um, so when COVID hit, um, I was actually an ICU nurse and an ER trauma nurse at Altman hospital down in Canton. Um, and something was just like, you need to do something else. You know, they, this is getting to be too much. I was scaling my own podcast at the time, trying to do my own business. And I decided to kind of go full time into that. Uh, and that's how I really met Joey, um, which we were talking about, you know, before the mics came on, um, with ripple and everything, mm. but it was a marketing company. And then I got really sad cause I left nursing. And was like, man, I was not ready to leave that career field behind. You know, as much as I wanted to, like, start my own business, I got really depressed. Mm-hmm. I was like, fudge. Just like, like that urge of helping people and stuff like that. Yeah, like, business doesn't give that same mm-hmm. feedback. You know what I mean? Like, dealing with, 
I take pride in the fact that I can deal with like really, really messed up scenarios, whether it was trauma or ICU or now in psych and be able to kind of walk through that gracefully and like try to provide Mm -hmm. value. I wasn't finding that in the business world. So that's what kind of like, as I'm now, you know, founder and my role at my company as CEO and like kind of a lead consultant. Um, but going back and like continuing to do 10 to 15 hours a week as psych nurse to mm-hmm. kind of like feed that part of my heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's no real equivalent in business. Like you said, no. to give back to the community like that. There's mm-hmm. like certain ways, but nothing well, it's really all cares. delayed. Like in the mm-hmm. business world, it's delayed gratification, right? Like psych or ICU trauma nursing or anything like that. Guy comes into ER, almost dies, doesn't die, goes to ICU. Good job. Like you get positive mm-hmm. feedback right away because you like kept them alive. Yeah. In the business world, you might help a client make a decision that won't pay off for five years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's helping a little bit right now, but then they don't see the value. Sometimes you argue about value because you know that you just helped them solve a problem that they didn't even see, but you're preventing their business from taking a hard left turn and they didn't even know that you did it. Mm-hmm. And so Building that, that trust. Yeah. It's delayed gratification in business. Whereas like with psych, you can actively see those results, like when mm-hmm. you're talking with people. So but, wh- when did you, when did you start that business? Like the consulting stuff? Yeah. Um, it was like, so I started the podcast in 2018. Um, I like, when I graduated from Walsh, I gave a commencement speech and it was all about like, um, chasing your apex, like the apex of your life is your death. Um, I can send you guys a link and you guys can post it in the description or something if people want to watch. I don't want to waste their time talking about it. I kind of want to watch. Yeah, so it's like it was basically just like um, not looking at different parts of your life. Like high school graduation could be a peak and you could get stuck there. I know plenty of people that are stuck there. Yeah, I do too. You know, like getting a first job, that could be a peak. Getting married, that could be a peak. Having your first kid, that could be a peak. You know, you hit all these different peaks in life and my whole message is like don't get stuck at one of those peaks and believe that it's like the most you're ever going to achieve. Um, podcast turned into, I think we've had a little over 30,000 listens at this point. So did you say 30,000, 30,000. Yeah. Right around there. Holy crap. I didn't know that. Um, congrats. That's huge. Thanks man. I mean, it's like, we're up to like a thousand a month, I think that are tuning in. Um, so I mean, we built it up to that and then people started asking us like, you know, how'd you do that? What kind of stories are you telling? And I was Mm -hmm. like, I didn't know how to tell people like, just be yourself. Yeah. You know, like just talk about what you're passionate about. And that's what led me down the road of starting the company. It's like, how do I teach other people to just talk about themselves? But in a way that's like, um, if anybody's a follower of Gary Vee, like it's very yeah. Gary Vee-esque. Um, yeah. I kind of took a lot of his frameworks and then adapted them with like my nursing psychology piece. And it's like, okay, let's bring in, like he's talking about empathy, 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 content, content, content. But then I'm like, okay, but how do you come up with all of that shit? Yeah. You know, like he's telling you to put out 50 pieces of content a day. How do you do that? You know, how do you mm-hmm. figure out what stories to tell, who to talk to, what to figure out? And it was kind of this cool mixture of like everything that I learned in the military and everything that I learned as a nurse, mm-hmm. like open-ended question asking and how to form rapport with a patient. And I just turned it into the business world. And instead of a patient, it's like, how do you interview somebody that you want to tell a story about within your company? You know, how do you translate that story into something that could be used for marketing? How do you take that marketing thing and give it to your sales team? And then your sales team can use it to close a deal, you know, like creating that ecosystem. And that's where the company was really born. Nice. That's, dude, I, I don't know. I feel like I get in these trends every time Jan talks, dude. There's like so much to talk about. It's like, well, I want to talk about ADHD too. Like, yeah, there's definitely. all of these people. So like, so you, you were saying that, um, you know, you guys have had, can you, can you explain your acronym again? Like I was trying to remember it on the way back up, but I think that that's really important to like just reiterate uh, as many times as you can in the episodes. So it's uh, happier days and it's spelled D A A I S and it stands for depression, anxiety, ADHD, insomnia, and stress. Yeah. Love that. That's what, that's what like really linked me in. Like when he first was talking about all of this, I was like, that's really well thought out. <laughs> Agreed. I, I like, never Crops. heard of it beforehand, but it's like a really cool and apparently like well-known acronym yeah yeah i had never really heard of it either but i was like i really like that a lot yeah yeah so i mean um adhd specifically like i could just kind of give a little bit of my backstory or experience with it and then maybe we can dive into you know some more stuff about adhd or how i've dealt with it or whatever questions you guys had or Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like um so i 
was homeschooled um, when I up until eighth grade, right? And my mom is a first generation immigrant from Slovakia, so um, when she came over, she didn't know a whole lot of English, um, and like her degree didn't really transfer. So their options, like as parents, were like, well, you can homeschool the kids, and um, my dad was a traveling sales guy, right? So my mom ended up teaching us pretty much everything that I knew about um, school for the first 13 years of my life ish. Mm -hmm. And so what was cool about that is like, I didn't really have a whole lot of restrictions, right? Like I could excel at the things that I wanted to excel at and I could suck at the things I wanted to suck at. Like, um, math, for example, I was, I'm just horrible at math. Like you start adding in the alphabet to two plus two and I, I, you lose me. Right. (laughs) You know, so that's why I ended up going to nursing school and now I write stories for a living. I just don't math. My brain just does not function that way. Um, but so I was doing fifth grade math in fifth grade, but I was doing eighth grade science, you know, so it it kind of let me modulate that stuff. And so I didn't really, we didn't really notice a whole lot of the ADHD. I don't think growing up, plus my mom's culture being Slovak doesn't really believe in meds. And so then I went to high school, um, and started having to actually pay attention for long periods of time in classrooms and was just constantly like having to figure out other ways to keep myself occupied. So I got in trouble a couple of times and then had notes written home or whatever. And then I was like, well, I got to find something better to do with my time in class than just pissing off teachers. Uh, So I would do assignments and then I would like study other subjects in that class and try to get ahead in that class. And I always felt like I was four or five steps ahead of the teacher and it would piss me off that (laughs) class would take so long. So I would just start like, you know, reading other books from other courses and doing stuff that I was interested in. I would go to the library all the time. And I, I feel really lucky that that's how I chose to cope with it. It's a really good use of that time. You could you know have done I mean? a lot worse things. Yeah, exactly. Study. Well, I definitely did do a lot worse things too. But, mm. you know, like in class at that time, um, it, it allowed me to really excel academically. So I was, you know, VP of NHS, I think at one point, or maybe treasurer, secretary. It's been a long time Yeah. Um, since I was in high school. Not a, that a long time, but long enough that I don't remember that specific position. Um, sang in like the choir the acapella group wrestled like was involved in multiple sports so i kept myself active and was able to excel a lot of it because in the time that i was finding myself bored or distracted i was putting it towards the next thing down the line so that that kind of created this double-edged sword though because i didn't know that any of that behavior was adhd so that's all the positive things that came with adhd right Mm -hmm. but then the negative things was like hyper attachment to crushes like I would hyper focus on a girl if like she gave me any attention whatsoever, right? Like that would be like the only thing I could focus on for like a solid week. And I would get so pissed off that like I would like would make up these scenarios inside of my head or something like that of like asking her to homecoming or doing something like that. And then it wouldn't come to fruition the way that I planned it out and I would get really pissed off and then I would just go back to my books. So it mm-hmm. kind of almost made me a little antisocial because I didn't realize that that hyper focusing was actually something that my brain was doing to me, not necessarily me doing to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some other areas was like constantly trying to push boundaries, right? So like one of the groups that adopted me when I first came in, cause being the homeschool kid with no friend group, I just kind of, you know, wandered around trying to find where I fit in. And inevitably like the group that picked me up were the DGENs, <laughs> right? So I'm like now buying and selling black and milds under the bleachers. And then that escalated into weed and, you know, anything that we could get our hands on at, you know, 15 years old yeah, right. in high school. <laughs> and we're stealing our parents' liquor bottles. High school kids. Yeah, and replacing it with, like, honey and water to make mm-hmm. it taste kind of like Jim Beam honey, you know. Yeah. Um, and I kept going down that road. Uh, and I also, like, blamed myself for that for a long time. But now I'm realizing, you know, that's, you know, some of it can be attention-seeking behavior. And you're literally trying to satisfy any type of dopamine level that you can with a substance. Um, that's why so many people with ADHD abuse Adderall in college before they know that they're diagnosed or they're smoking weed or they tend to get on, you know, heavier drugs like cocaine and other stuff like that. And it doesn't affect them like it affects other people mm-hmm. because it just makes them feel normal, quote unquote. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went down that path and, you know, chased substances. That's what really kind of got me into a dark rabbit hole. I, you know, almost OD'd when I was 17 um, on Percocet. Uh, and then almost went to juvie within like six months of that. And that was kind of my wake up call that like, 
I needed, I think, um, to kind of get my life together because, you know, like I was, I was saying that the academic stuff became a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew that any of that shit was going on in the background because I was keeping my grades up and I knew how to study ahead five questions. You know, like Mm -hmm. I had trained myself to be so good at that persona that nobody knew about the other half of Jan. And that's that's like a Dr. Jekyll and like Mr. Hyde. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And I think that that's something that people underestimate with ADHD is that you focus in so many different areas and you feel like you can float between social groups. Sometimes you don't really attach to one um, because you're so interested in so many things and those interests come in and then they leave and then they come in and then they leave and then they come in and then they leave that you don't actually stabilize any specific relationships. You just kind of float around and then you kind of end up seeking the validation of that stuff in other areas potentially. Um, so joined the military and then I finally got diagnosed actually at like 24, 25. And so what that did is like, I had to go back and kind of look at all of these things that I had been blaming myself for, calling myself stupid for all that other stuff and kind of go through this like rationalization piece where it's like, okay, you have to accept blame for part of that. But also, here's the context that you were fighting against, that you didn't know you were fighting against. So maybe be a little bit gentler with yourself as you're trying to figure out the next phase because you're not that person anymore. You've come a long way. Like, you know, you've made it through the military. You've made it through college. You've done all this other stuff by the time I was 24. Mm -hmm. And so it's like despite all the dumb shit that you did, you know, you still were able to figure out how to piece together some type of, you know, productive life despite battling this invisible enemy that you didn't know was there the entire time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'll kind of stop there and pause for questions. There's like a second portion I can finish up like with when I got on meds and then I like completely lost myself again because the meds basically took away all my creativity Mm -hmm. and then what it was like trying to get off. But where, where this is like, I was just thinking of it while you were talking, were you ever labeled as like an overachiever? Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah, it would drive people insane. <laughs> well, and, and part of it was, like, I didn't want to be that guy that would, like, always answer questions. And I don't know if anybody else that has ever, like, had ADHD or maybe it's just intellectual people feel this way. Um, but, like, the teacher would be sitting there. It'd be, like, four or five minutes, it would feel like. And nobody's answering anything. And then finally I'm, like, fuck it. Like, you know, I want class to move on. I got better stuff to do or think about then just letting me go like, well, I'm not going to move on till someone answers. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. And so then I was yeah. that guy. Yeah. I feel so, but that was my perception. And then I was to your point, I was actually, you know, surprised. I talked to other people and they'd be like, yeah, Mr. Know-it-all. I was like, I feel like I'm trying to get the class to move forward I'm forced into these. Yeah. Situations. I'm not trying to do these things. Like yeah. just nobody else is talking. <laughs> I actually had a question as well because I don't understand ADHD that well myself. Mm hmm. And I know, like, every mental illness has a lot of different symptoms. Yeah. And you may not experience all of them like, oh, yeah. within yourself. So do you know of any other symptoms of ADHD? Because I am not too familiar. Yeah. So a lot of stuff, when I first started diving down the rabbit hole, right, like, I thought ADHD for the longest time was, like, the kid that couldn't sit in class without shaking his leg, you know, or somebody that constantly mm-hmm. has to sit up, stand down, sit up, like, you know, stand up, move around, walk around, sit down, shiny object, squirrel, can't remember a conversation. <laughs> right. Um, and that's all very prevalent in like kids. Right. And that's why it's so hard to de- like discern whether or not it's that ADHD diagnosis is actually ADHD or if it's just a seven year old being a seven year old. Yeah. Right. Like a, yeah, social tics that they have. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, kids are weird, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. they're little balls of consciousness that have no idea what's going on yet. Yeah. You just mm-hmm. have to, like, teach them things. Like, they don't even learn empathy until they're, like, m- multi years on the planet five, six, seven. They yeah. start mm-hmm. learning a little bit of that. Like, maybe sharing right. is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but symptoms, like, as, as you get older, are a little bit less, um, decisive like they're they're not as visible right so it might be um that person that your version of cleaning before friends come over is taking everything that you own and shoving it into one closet so that you can sort through it later and the rest of your house looks clean right that's Um, that's what you just said is like adhd well it can be partial like it can be one of those things that like okay how did your house get that way 
did it get that way because you're ignoring cleaning because you believe that you're too busy in other areas to focus for five, 10 minutes and put stuff away. You know, that's a classic thing of ADHD is when you look at a task that might take you 10 minutes and then you're so intimidated by it that you just don't do it for weeks. Dude, I think I may have ADHD. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Like, what you're saying right now, it's relating to me. Yeah, so that's partially one, right? And then, like, another one, um, I think ADHD, undiagnosed ADHD, disguises itself in a bunch of different ways. And I'm by no means a psychiatrist, you know, yeah. or a clinical psychologist or anything. I'm just an RN that has, like, done a lot of research into this field. So, like, if you think that any of this rings true to you, like, talk to a primary care provider, talk to a physician do not take this as law and like go to GoRx.com yeah, and try to get it. I just want to add on Jan to reiterate <laughs> what we said last episode. We aren't professionals. And even though Jan, like you said, has his degree in nursing and minor in clinical psych, don't reach out to us first, please. If you think you may be going through something like this, um, we're going to post some links and some resources available to you guys like we have already um, and talked about for you guys to go and get help and not to reach out to us directly. Uh, we're just here more to relate to you and talk about it through through it with you, not necessarily to be that main source of help. Right. You know? And I mean that in the most respectful way, but I also mean it in the most genuine way. Um, that doesn't mean I'm saying, like, don't come to us if you don't, like, if we have to help you get to that point or uh, if to where you're as comfortable to reach out to someone or you don't feel comfortable or even if you just want to have a simple conversation or um, we have uh, it'll come on later on the show it'll come on later on the show uh, but we actually have someone that does struggle with ADHD in their family or he'll shed some more light on it. I don't want to talk too much about it for him and this is like why we bring people on like Jan is so you have that sense of relatability yeah. and that connection so and just to bring about awareness like, yeah just to yeah, bring about awareness real. for it awareness Sorry. for sure i yeah. just had to throw that in there oh you're good yeah i mean those types of plugs and reminding your audience of that of, of what you're here for is important but um i'm trying to think of another one that sticks out in my mind that like really struck me when i first heard it um oh like being a person that as you start to age you're um or even if you think back about your childhood you're the type of person that um believes that they do their best work when they procrastinate um, because like you have a task and you completely d decide to put it off until the night before because you're avoiding, like, you know that it would take you a half hour, 45 minutes to do it, but you are still drinking three Red Bulls the night before something because you took two and a half weeks to procrastinate on that thing that was going to take you half an hour, 45 minutes. Um, or if you don't see it, it doesn't exist. Like, um, for me, I really struggle to maintain my like morning protein regimen if it's not sitting on the counter and reminding me to like drink it in the morning. If I put that shit in a cupboard, I might go four or five days without drinking anything because it's so hard for me to remember that that thing exists because it's not directly in vision. Um, my morning routine, like I leave <clears throat> sticky notes for myself around the house to like, hey, you, like, you got to do this and then you got to do this and then you got to do this and this is here and you got to do this. Like, it's almost like a little game I play with myself to get me through the morning because waking up with ADHD when you're on a low day is like waking up as a major depressive person. You know, you like wake up, your room is really messy. It's cold as fuck outside. You have, you do not want to do anything as far as interacting with people because your dopamine levels are so low at a low point with ADHD that it mimics the symptoms of major depression. Right. And then like, your high can be so high sometimes that like your body will go through these random spikes of dopamine and it's like you're manic you can't stop you're like you get 15 chores done you go grocery shopping you clean your entire house and you solve world hunger <laughs> you know in 10 hours so is adhd like linked at all with mood swings like is it, that it, it, undiagnosed adhd and if it's untreated yeah can be linked to it um I mean, I, it, because we tend to really dive full on into emotion. You know what I mean? Like if, um, <clears throat> like I said, the hyper focus thing. So you think you're like your thoughts, um, they, they are almost like they can get onto loops, right? So you can have something enter your mind. And like right now I'm fully involved in this conversation, right? So there's nothing right. really else going on inside of my head except for what I'm going to say next, right? Um, but 
there could be times throughout your day where like, you know, you need to focus on something for work and a new tab pops up inside of your, you know, a notification pops up and then you're trying to focus on that essay. But in the back of your brain, it's like new notification, new notification, new notification, new notification, new notification, new notification until you go check it. It doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. That can be something also like ADHD. And there's actually some interesting studies coming out right now. That's like, is technology actually causing some ADHD in, a, in adults because of how many different things are pinging your attention at all times? Like, is mm-hmm. it actually ADHD from when you were a kid that nobody knew about that you just learned how to cope with that now is getting worse because of technology? Or did you not have ADHD as a kid? And now you're older and there's 50 things pulling at your attention 24 seven. And now it looks, sounds and acts like ADHD, but it's actually you being on your screen seven hours a day. I always had a feeling that like technology has affected our attention spans in some way. Mm. Like just the way media is made nowadays, like everything's so much shorter. And like you said, like your attention can be somewhere, but then a notification from here comes in and then you're just kind of all over the place. Right. Well, and you actually have like two different types of attention, right? You have like focused attention and like neurologists and neurobiologists are going to like blow this up because I'm like, because this is like a really, really watered down version. Right. Um, but for a lack of better explanation, you have two different types, like your focused attention and your reflexive attention. Right. And so this is, it's kind of the basics of right brain, left brain, um, like hypotheses, I guess. And so your left brain is really that focused attention where it's like, okay, I can grab this table and I know this table is here and I can move this table around. It's like you're, you're grabbing onto an idea. You know a lot about it. You can articulate it very well. And this is like tangible in the world. Reflexive uh, attention is like me having this conversation right now, but like I can see their reflections behind (laughs) us in the, in the, in the window and if he were to stand up with a knife behind me right now my reflexive attention would be like there's a dude with a knife behind you even mm-hmm. though my focused attention is on the conversation like i have that extra layer that's like that defense and that's mm-hmm. deep like right that's like yeah that's deeply ingrained in your in your psyche and with people with adhd our reflexive attention is almost always it's being constant. pinged yeah right so I can try to focus on having the conversation with you. Like these headphones are really helping. I'm not hearing a whole yeah. bunch of extra noise, but like imagine being a kid in a classroom where like, yeah. you know, you're trying to focus on the teacher and somebody snaps a pencil. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Or like fidgeting in their desk, grabbing something. Yeah. Do people chewing gum during tests made me want to beat them <laughs> because I'd be sitting there trying I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to jump out of this chair and flip your desk. <laughs> no uh as you're sitting here talking to me like and just on the podcast like dude i may actually like i think have adhd (laughs) like because what you're saying like to a t is like almost how i've reacted in the past like yeah how i do sometimes act but i don't know it kind of makes me interested i'm not saying like this does not mean if you have any of these symptoms or what he's talking about you have Mm -hmm. adhd but, but I think it deserves research. You know, yeah, I don't, that, that my sure. whole mission statement behind having conversations like these is just you're not aware that it exists until you're aware that it exists. Yeah. You know, so like if you're hearing any of this and any of it's ringing true, maybe it's worth the conversation. And and if not a conversation to say like, like I got accused that I was just like going to be pushing people to go get Adderall, you know, when I first started this. Mm-hmm. And I actually turned down working with a company Um, that prescribes Adderall online or prescribes medications online specifically for the purpose of being like, that's not always the right answer. Like a lot of times I advocate for either therapy, you know, or just becoming aware of it and implementing simple things like a sticky note system or like um, one of the most simple things that I've done that has saved me a shitload of time is by the light switch that I have to turn on and off before I enter or leave my apartment. I took out the screws and I installed a little hook and I hang my keys right there every Mm -hmm. single time I go into the house or I need to leave the house. I don't hook it to a backpack. They're not hooked to my pants. They're not in a pocket. They are on that hook and it's right by the door because the amount of times that I spent pacing around my apartment, MFing everything five to 10 minutes late to an appointment that I was already knew that I was going to be late to that now I'm even later because I can't find my damn keys Mm -hmm. is insane. And it's, when I learned that, you know, Hey, this is ADHD. And then I Googled top five things to 
you know, make your life easier with ADHD. One of the things was keeping your keys in a consistent spot. And holy crap, it saves me so much time. Mm -hmm. So like, it's little stuff like that, that I really hope people will find. Like if they start researching this, you know, I'm fine. Like reach out to my Instagram, you know, we can post the link and stuff. Like I'm down to give people hacks, you know, little things that I've implemented to kind of keep my shit straight because it can be a whirlwind. That sounds like it. That would be, that would be huge if you could do that. Um, no, just as like I'm like I said, sitting here thinking, uh, I actually in high school, believe it or not, I went to a counseling or like not, I don't want to say like a psychiatrist formally like in a counseling setting, uh, but I went to like not the school doctor. I don't even know what her title was at our school, but she she had a degree. She had her bachelor's in psychology and counseling and social work, and she actually told me like some. So, for example, when I when I was a little kid, uh, whenever I was just sitting there and I like I didn't know what to do, like I would just continually like drum or like I don't know like do something like that, and my my siblings would be like, why the hell are you always beating like all the time? Like, <laughs> why are you always making noise? Or I'm like, I don't know, just like trying to be a producer. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to trying to make it as a beat producer, but. I don't know it just like helped me i don't know i had like that going on in my head so actually when i told like my counselor like the doctor or whatever about it yeah she said that i was like uh experiencing like or demonstrating like as asperger-ish like traits mm. so i don't know that does make me uh more cautious as to like maybe it's not asperger and i've just always been afraid to like be labeled as like oh he has asperger's right like Oh, he has ADHD. So I yeah, just never, I, I I've was never been in the label too, of like ADHD and stuff like that. Cause I mean, you, you think about like, you know what that, um, I think you could look at it in two ways. And like the way that I looked at it prior to diagnosis is different than the way that I look at it post, you know, or the way that I look at it from the position of advocacy. Um, I think prior to being diagnosed with something, um, it's almost like the person that doesn't go to, um, get the weird like mole checked out on their skin Mm -hmm. you know they know it's there and it's weird looking and they don't want to address it because if they address it then it makes it real yeah you know what i mean and so like that fear of making it real i think is what holds people back a lot of times from especially mental health Mm -hmm. diagnoses right because like it's it's for whatever reason we look at it as like a pride check you know, it's like I it takes talked a little bit about that too. Like, like humility to go in and be like, Man, like I've got some shit that I need to deal with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um but then you you get it done and you go and you have the conversations and you're you know, um, opening yourself up that way and the and the way that um I hope, you know, would people would look at it afterwards is like now I know what I'm up against. And mm-hmm. it like kind of bring some honesty to that playing field. And it's like, you know, you can be a little bit more gentle with yourself and work with somebody to understand how to um, communicate with, um, they call it like a lot of inner child work, right? And and that's a term that everybody that's listening to this should Google and look at and try to understand. But I think that um, that piece is really important. Like knowing, I wouldn't want to get into a boxing ring if I didn't know who the fighter was. Yeah. You know, if I'm rolling the dice between some chump and Mike Tyson, I'm not getting in the ring (laughs) until I know whether or not it's the chump or Mike Tyson, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, but at least if it is, if it does end up being Mike Tyson, that might be scary, but at least I could train. Yeah. I think that's a big comfort thing too. Like we're just so used to how we feel. Like sometimes that jump is so scary just to really know what everything is. Well, and that's, I think that that's something that, um, I've always found it fascinating that like whenever I talk to a therapist, right. Um, I, I work with a lot of social workers, and it always fascinates me when I talk to them and they say, yeah, this client put in work when they talk about therapy, you know, and it, I, it, it took me a second to really understand why mm-hmm. they talked about it like that. But if you think about it, I mean, it's hard work, Yeah, digging that stuff up, talking about it, bringing it into the open, working through those conversations. I mean, it is difficult. It wears on you and it's, it's, I don't want to say it's ex- it's emotionally exhausting. Yeah, it can be. And I think that w- what I try to tell people is like, well, is that journey more emotionally exhausting than the lack of that journey? You know, like like what is the trade-off? 
of acting versus not acting. And I, I think I think that self recognition and like that openness to being vulnerable, like like when uh, when we spoke last, how you, I really liked how you were talking about like people reach, people have this opportunity for being vulnerable with someone, uh, whether it's mm. a friend, a family member, uh, a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Right. Um, they reach, the, they have these opportunities presented in front of them. Like I said, and this openness for vulnerability and then they keep it closed they bottle it up mm, mm-hmm. and then they have another opportunity and then they bottle it up and then i actually guys i'm just going to shout yana that's where i i talked about on the last episode that's where i got this from it's from this dude i was going to say that sounded really familiar yeah you get these you get these levels of op- vulnerability and then people don't feel comfortable enough to right. actually self-recognize and take the time to go check out that weird mall or dive into yourself mental health care right right well i think it's like what, what you were just talking about right there um is super important to understand like becoming aware of what those moments are and um when i first started thinking about that idea it was over covid um and my it all it all really started for me initially because my dad is a big letter writer right like our family was not very vocal um growing up like positive reinforcement wise it was just kind of like after tasks and you know i mean we grew up on a farm so you just kind of get shit done keep your head down keep moving um but there was always these like letters that he would write right and he wrote me one when i was 18 and he said like i hope that you um understand when and are willing to be vulnerable and allow people to help you you know, and I didn't really understood what that meant at 18, but it's something that he's dealt with his whole life. And we've had a bunch of conversations since about what that pride is and like accepting help and everything like that. And I think that, you know, that analogy that I kind of came up with, with your body basically filling up from the feet up and identifying these points is that it's not just a point to be vulnerable, but it's a point to ask for help in any type of situation. And you can have these different, um, you know, uh, almost like picture like a thermometer being filled up for a sale, right? Like, okay, you mark off, we hit 2000 and the goal is 10,000, right? And then you get to 4,000 and 6,000, you get closer and closer to the top. It's like, if you feel yourself starting to get anxious, stressed out, or you're overloaded at work because somebody's giving you too many tasks or whatever that is, you have these different scales in different areas of life. So we'll use, um, like a relationship for example, right? Cause I could apply it to a job a relationship, a friendship or whatever. So if we're using this framework on a relationship, for example, you and your significant other um, have an argument, right? And you have an opportunity in that argument to either be vulnerable and actually tell your truth about why you're upset, what's going on, what you're really thinking, um, and genuinely communicate and try to work through that situation with that person, right? But instead, you either A choose to white lie your way out of it and just kind of smooth it over agree with them not actually disagree because you don't want to have to face the conflict and or b you escalate the conflict so far to the point that you know the other person is not going to be happy with you and it finishes the situation that way either right but neither of those options were you being vulnerable and speaking your truth um and being vulnerable and speaking your truth can sometimes cause issues because you're so afraid that that person isn't going to accept you for your truth that you don't speak it. Right. And then that lakes you from like, say you're only filled up to your ankles. Now you're filled up to your knees. That was an opportunity. Okay. So now you're at your knees and you had that one argument and now you're at like a family event. Right. And something goes awry. And now you have the already emotional anxiety of the initial situation that you didn't resolve. And now it's coupled on top of that. And now you're in another position and it makes it even harder to speak your truth because you already have this backlog of not truth speaking. And then you're at this position and it happens again and you choose another easy way out because now you would have to face that situation and the other situation inside of your mind. And then it just keeps spiraling up to the point where it's up to your neck and now you're drowning. And that's when we get defensive. You know, when you encounter a person that is the type of person to just like lash out and put a, push a whole bunch of personal buttons every time anything doesn't go their way, I feel like, and I may be completely off base in saying this, but I feel like the majority of those people are in the drowning stage. 
you know, they've let so much build up over so long. They're not trusting anybody in their close circle. They don't feel like they have an outlet of a close group of friends. Like nobody's going to understand where they're coming from. And a lot of that got even worse over COVID. I feel like people got even more disconnected. You know, people with ADHD have a tendency to hyper-focus on those feelings and they'll go over, over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Am I, they, they hyper fixated on it. Same thing with people with general anxiety disorders, you know, or people that end up depressed, which are all skyrocketing right now as far as diagnoses. And so now you have that person and then let's play it back. Right. So like you have that situation and say your version of the truth is like, Hey, you know, I know I'm a dude and like, I'm supposed to just like kind of smooth this stuff over. I'm not supposed to care about it or whatever the stigma is, but like what you like did back there, whether it was like bringing up something that hurt your feelings or something you're blatantly not okay with or crossed a moral boundary or said something to a friend that you don't agree with, or maybe it's something that's like even so deep as something that you said about the way that you want to raise a family someday, you know, or faith or something major. And you just talk about it right then and there. And you run the risk of that person saying this isn't going to work or you coming to the realization that your own gut is probably right and it's wrong from the beginning. I've been in that situation a lot of times too. I literally lost the girlfriend just because of that reason. Yeah. So. So it's like when you have that opportunity, you speak that truth and then understand that it's better to live in alignment with what your truth is than it is to just let it constantly get bottled up and then feel like you're drowning over time. And it's especially important, I think, for people with ADHD, people with anxiety, people with depression, is that I want to advocate. It's like when you have those opportunities to speak your truth, even if you can't speak it to that person right away in the situation, because that can be really hard, especially if you're not used to doing it, find a close friend to talk to and be like, hey, like this really affected me and I can't figure out why. Like whether it's a bro you know, if it's some a family member that you trust, it's some random dude on Instagram that you DM because you feel like he talks about this kind of stuff on a regular basis. You know, like whoever that person is, give yourself an opportunity to drain the boots. You know, like don't let it keep filling up throughout your body. Like go talk to somebody and be like, hey, like, man, you know, you take it out of the relationship context and it's in a job. It's like, man, my boss said something, man, that just like does not sit well. And here's why. Does this make sense to you? And then just have that conversation with that person and be like, Hey man, like, I think that you need to say something like, you know, that wasn't cool. Or, you know, have you ever thought about looking at another job? Like bringing in other people's perspectives is what we do as people. And I think we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit. I feel like a lot, of <clears throat> I feel like a lot of people don't do that because they feel like it'll almost burden the person they're asking about mm-hmm. that. So yeah. I feel like that's a big hurdle for people to get over. Yeah. Well, and what I would say to that is like, we're all, Cause I, I say the same thing, you know, like I always uh, would tell people that I'm the kind of person to shoulder a burden until my spine snaps and then it's everybody else's problem. Um, but I'll take everybody else's problems until my spine breaks, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'm down for like a week. And, and that's what I remind people of. It's like, you can either take the opportunity to have those moments when they're smaller and easier to deal with and speaking your truth yeah. and just learn to speak your truth on a regular basis. Or eventually if you choose left over right and the universe wants you to choose right, at some point you're going to get smacked right. Mm-hmm. And that's like what my version of karma is basically, you know, you have these opportunities to choose the more difficult road to be more in alignment with where you're at or who you are. And if you consistently don't choose that path, then eventually the universe will autocorrect. And then it's yeah. way worse. You know, it's like, do you want to choose your own version of hell or do you want to just have to like suffer through it for, because the universe put you there? Mm-hmm. where when if you were to choose it it might only last for a couple of hours mm-hmm. so, sometimes you don't know when it's going to hit you like no. it'll just come out over the blue and you just break down because i know it's happened to me several times where i just broke down and I, like or something triggered me one day and i just couldn't handle it anymore and yeah and then you're looking at yourself and you're like man that one little thing really triggered me and like i can't believe i'm such a pussy i can't believe i can't deal with that and then you start the negative self-talk all over again mm-hmm. because in your mind not having forks is what broke you. And it wasn't not having forks that broke you. It was the, you know, six years of, of bottled up stuff that you haven't been addressing that broke you, not the fork. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and, um, 
I think that, that we look at mental health as like you have to go to a psychologist, you have to go to a psychiatrist. I think if people would just like focused more on having authentic human bonds, it'd be a lot better. You know, we, we got out of that habit because of COVID. It separated us. It pulled us all apart. Um, that we got really inundated into social media because that was our method of communication. And, you know, now we're kind of trying to readjust to all being around each other again. And, you know, if nothing more, you take something out of this conversation, just be willing to like, when you ask somebody, how's your day going, be willing to actually get a response. Be genuine with it. And be genuine and actually listen. Like if somebody says like, hey man, like it's been a shit week. Be like, oh, why is that? Don't just turn around and walk away. You know, like like, don't ask the question if you aren't willing to listen. I would love if, because a lot of people like their resting stuff they talk about is like sports. It's like about not liking homework or whatever. Right. But if what you actually care about is a problem like that, like I would so much rather hear about that because it's like genuine. Yeah. Like, I don't want you to just talk about sports because you think that's like what will make a good conversation. Right. Like if you actually have something to deal with, like, please just say that. Yeah. Like that's so much more authentic and genuine than anything else. Yeah. It's all being into speaking your truth. You know what I mean? That's that's why I love that phrase specifically. It's just like when I'm when somebody asks me a question, I generally try to just roll off the cuff. It's like, yeah, no, here's here's exactly what I'm thinking. Same and here. It takes um, it is off putting to some people, and I just had to accept that not everybody's gonna rock with it, and that it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. if you rock with the method of thought, then you rock with it. If not, then you know there's millions of other people you can go listen to. Don't listen to my shit. Um, and everything will be good in the world. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the, the most uh, powerful quotes that I, I actually read it from your blog the other day was if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, then go together. Mm. And that right there, just in itself, like I, I, I reread it like four or five times and I was just like, that's powerful. Like if you want to actually seek help or if you want to help someone, go together and you'll go farther because you have more people with you. You have more people in your corner. You have different outlets. You have more than one outlet. Could be, it could even just be one outlet that if you have one person that helps you get, get you through your day, you're, you're going to go further. And the realization, the self-realization that once you realize that yourself, you will go further with the help of someone else. It doesn't make, it doesn't, it's a marathon. It's not, it's not a sprint. Yeah. And, it's very applicable to mental health. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I think I, I want to implement that like right now with bringing Joe on here. I was because, literally about to say that. That's perfect. Because he, he's the one that reached out to us and he has questions that he wants to talk to Jan about, um, just with his issues that he's going through. So let's, uh, let's bring Joe Milo on, on the podcast. You ready, dog? All right. So this is Joe Milo. Joe officially welcome Jan. Jan, this is Joe. This is one of my buddies. He's in our fraternity. Um, He's been in it a lot longer than me. He's actually one of the first people that I met when I moved up to Akron. Um, I've talked to him a little bit about like things that went on in my life and Joe's just been a good friend uh, towards me and helped me with a lot of stuff. So I just wanted to return the favor to him and uh, he, he reached out to us and said that um, he wanted to talk on the podcast and I said, well, I, I'm going to bring this dude on and I think he can shed a lot of light on, uh, what you're going through right. and see if he can help you in any way or connect to you, relate and just provide any feedback that's valuable. So, yeah. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah. It's, uh, what up, Joe? It's cool to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, um, like we were saying a little bit, a little bit earlier, you know, um, there's a lot to unpack. I mean, yeah. I think, so, I mean, just to kind of lay the groundwork, um, when I was, I don't know, like freshman year of high school, mm. senior year of high school, in that mid-range, um, I went to a child psychologist, kind of had the whole type of fidgeting, you know, thing. They were like, hey, you know, this kid's kind of ADHDs all over the place. You can, you should get him checked out. Right. Um, sorry if I'm a little bit shaky, by the way. This is like oh, you're good, the dude. first time I've actually come out and like talk about this stuff in front of people that actually know me. I just want so, to say, dude, it's kind of interesting. I, you know, I really appreciate. And dude, you are very, very, it takes a lot of courage to do what you're doing right now. Well, so, and the, and the cool thing about it is that they like, you're doing it in a space of like, I'm seem to be really the only one that's 
that doesn't really know you you know what i mean so like you're yeah. doing it in a place where you're just like focus on having the conversation with me yeah like, because like i'm the dude that like whose opinion doesn't really matter and then just everybody else just happens to be through no, no no for sure it's i think it's more of like a so I, I our our backgrounds are actually pretty similar so okay my mom she's a first generation italian she, she came over from sicily nice um my dad he, he was from america actually so um he just ended up you know, living here, met my mom, um, right. and he, he's the one that has the ADHD issues. So mm-hmm. what happened with me was basically, um, again, kind of like mid high school level. Um, I was kind of all over the place, you know, going back and forth. Very, like, like you said, very like huge highs, low lows, right. um, kind of pretty much everything you explained, to be honest. Um, yeah. uh, and I feel like a lot of people kind of deal with, deal with a lot of those same issues, um, and because my, my family was more of a, um, I guess they're, they were more traditional, hmm. you know, it was like, okay, how do we deal with this? Right. It's like, um, do we, is it just like a behavior thing? Is it something that we should get checked out? Hmm. All my teachers were like, Hey, you know, there's medication that could fix this. Um, it's 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 funny like all the different scenarios that you and your parents and uh, I have great parents by the way, um, and they they really did want to you know help the best they could but right. again coming from, um, coming from again like a different country it's just like a different mindset. Oh yeah, dude, right? I vibe with that one hundred percent. Yeah, it's um it's it's weird and, and so I mean eventually after you know a year I mean, well years years are struggling. Um, they decided to take me to a child psychologist mm-hmm. um, where I was diagnosed with ADHD and working memory issues, mm-hmm. um, which kind of plays until a lot, I do a lot of the same things um, throughout the years to just cope naturally. I, did, I didn't really research them. Right. Like the hook yeah. by the switch. If you go into my house, you know, right through the back door, hook by the switch, yep. car keys there. Yep. You know, you just kind of naturally to keep yourself sane, mm-hmm. you have to do things to. I call it saving brain space. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have a lot of brain space occupied by like, where the fuck are my keys? There's a whole bunch of random things, right? Yeah. It's like things you could like things you could be doing. Schoolwork, you know, things you could be doing to better your life. Things, maybe some random conversation that like someone said to you three days ago. Yeah. It's like like laughing at a joke somebody told three days ago. Yeah, randomly, (laughs) and they're like, "Dude, what's what are you like? What are you laughing at?" Yeah. Like, oh, nothing. You know. It's 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 weird. And my my dad, it's hereditary, so Mm. my dad has a lot of the same issues, but. His, you know, talking about how it was way back, way back in, in the day, you know, like, I don't know. He came up in the 80s, I would say, probably in college. He, he actually went to the University of Akron. Um, mm. um, but they didn't they didn't really think that was a thing. They're like, hey, you know, suck it up, man. You know, right. Hey, you're squirrely. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're. You're you're not staying focused. Mm. It's or like we yeah. need to fix that. Yep. And. There wasn't much of a way of, you know, mental resources for him to to get that taken care of. You know, a lot of people back then, I feel like they they couldn't break down what they needed to do to actually help themselves get to a point where their lives are sustainable and actually, I don't know, healthy. Yeah, I mean, adult ADHD diagnoses, like, I mean, they were laughed at for a long time it's yeah like, oh, exactly. that's something that kids grow out of and it's mostly boys yeah yeah yeah, yeah and it's weird and I, I don't think that that's a way it should be because mm. and, and kind of like what you were saying i mean and i think we, we we've said this in on the podcast and i've heard online because I've, I've done a lot of studying and i've gone to regular therapy and group therapy and i've i've done a lot of research um Privately, I don't. I don't really like talking about it. You mm-hmm. know, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it, I don't know if it's again. I don't know if it's like more more of a pride thing or if it's like a, you know, I'm like an older dude, so I gotta like, be the older dude mm-hmm. type of thing. Right. Um, but, I don't know. It's something that. How old is the older dude, by the way? Me, twenty three. Twenty three. Okay, yeah. I'm twenty six. Yeah. So. We Gucci. We're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. Was like, I didn't know if we were like on the same wavelength or like. You're like, yeah, you are. Um, I, I mean, I felt the same things when I was like first trying to start getting diagnosed. I'm like, I'm 24. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's weird. You were talking about, uh, and if I'm getting off track or like oh, popping in like in and out of different things, track, I'll, I'll, I could go 
all like all day about random things, but um, but yeah, I mean, kind of going back to what you're saying, even like a lot of people are that are in college and are you know my age and our seniors. Um, you were talking about like those influential events that happen in people's lives that are mm-hmm. kind of like triggers. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, I need to do something. I need to figure this out. You know, I think that I really felt that. And I think that's a lot of things that me and a lot of my close friends, you know, do do struggle with. And I don't think it's widely known that that's okay and that's normal. Right. I think a lot of people, they're like, why do I have these feelings, right? Like, I'll be in group and I'll hear people, like, that are graduating from grad school or, you know, older than me or coming out of undergrad. And they're like, hey, like, I'm, I don't know why I'm thinking about these things all the time. Hmm. You know, like, why I'm, why, again, like, you were talking about those mental loops. Yeah. It's like... Why am I, why am I thinking about like life? Why am I thinking about this random thing nonstop? And right. what can I do to fix that? Right. I don't know if fix that is the right word or right way to say it, but like, what can I do to manage that? Because it's okay, you know? When it was, so when you say like they're, they're thinking about that same thing over and over again, is it like coming up against a graduation or like a big life transition event that's happening that's like giving them these feelings of, I don't know what to do next? Or like, what's an example of uh, something that they would get stuck in? Like from what your perspective is, like these groups that you're in or the converse things you've heard up come, come in conversation. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could be the biggest thing or the littlest thing, right? I mean, that's really hard to say. It could be like for me, I would say it's, it's jobs, you know, mm. focusing on what I, what I actually want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to you in a way, you know, I was kind of, I don't know if you were grown up in like a business mentality, but that's kind of one way that I'm one way that I'm going. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, my dad was an entrepreneur and yeah. then like, um, we were always just, uh, told like, I mean, it's like businesses or sciences. Yeah. You know, like those are the two places that you go uh-huh. and that's what you need to do. Like my grandma was a chemistry person and my grandpa was an engineer. Yeah. Mm. And then my grandpa on the, my dad's side was like in the Marines and a mechanic and my grandma was a baker. So you like, all different sides are just very blue collar and they're like college is the option. Like you need to figure out what you're going to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the same yeah. way my dad, engineer, entrepreneur, you know? Yeah. So I, I feel that. And it's, and it's weird because maybe it's just more trial and error. Maybe mm-hmm. that's okay that I don't know what I'm doing yet or what I, yeah. what I want to do yet. Um, but it, it's just not knowing and the anxiety of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. is is the mental loop that you get stuck in and it's just what if what if what if so first and foremost i just want to say sorry to everyone listening for the abrupt ending on the episode um while we were filming we didn't think that we were going to go over um and we actually ended up running out of room on our sd card um so that's why it just abruptly ended um just some things that I wanted to touch on and let you guys know. Um, thank you for everything you guys do for us, supporting us, following us, sharing posts, even just watching and supporting a good cause. Um, because at the end of the day, like I say, as a broken record, it's bigger than just us. Um, we're doing it for you guys, um, not for any personal gain, but just to just bring about awareness and bring about a change here at Akron with the norms and stigmatisms around mental health. So thank you for everything you guys are doing. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, listen in the videos will be coming soon. Um, we just haven't released them yet, but share our Instagram page, please follow us, like our posts just to get awareness out because Word of mouth is the best thing that can help us right now. Um, so we appreciate everything you guys are doing. As usual, reach out. If you are in a crisis and need help immediately, please don't reach out to us first. Um, we've posted on our Instagram bio. There's a link tree. If you click on the link, um, we have resources available that you can access very, very readily. Um, Thank you guys again just for everything you guys are helping with us and just supporting us. Uh, It speaks volumes, and I didn't think that we would be where we're at right now, 
and I see the change that it's bringing here at Akron, uh, just with the people that I've been talking to and that have reached out to me and my team. Um, and that right there in itself is why we're doing it, because it just makes us feel good. Um, it makes us feel like we're doing something bigger than just us. Um, thank you guys, and stay tuned for the next episode.